travel with Running Warehouse co-founder Joe Rubio and YouTube running shoe sensation Connor Blaylock into a new dimension of running. Come along as we chat running gear, training, coaches, and much more. A podcast journey into the wonderful world of all things running related. Your next epic running adventure awaits at Mr. Rubio Used to Run. Hello, runners, and welcome to Mr. Rubio Used to Run, the Running Warehouse podcast. This is episode number five coming at you, and I'm Mr. Rubio, the guy who used to run. Uh, this is my wingman, Connor, who still runs when his ankle isn't broken, and we have a special guest. We do. We, we have a very special guest today. We're going back-to-back guest week after week. Last week, we had a big one, yeah. Craig Angles. This week? Bigger. Maybe a little <laughs> bit bigger. We got our footwear buyer, Becky. Becky. You've been in the shoe game for a while. You've been a runner for a while, but it was just recently that you became an ultra marathon runner. You're all in on it. You went from 10 mile long runs to 100 mile long runs. How did this happen? I think once you get on the crazy train, you don't get off. You know, you just keep going. You say, I'm going to do a 50K and then, but I'll never do further. And then it's 100K, but I'd never do 100 miles. And then suddenly you're signing up for a hundred mile and then another one and another one. <laughs> it never ends. And maybe, maybe next is a 200, you know? Oh, geez. <laughs> well, you just completed one, right? Yeah. I just uh, finished Havelina 100 uh, two weeks ago. So we had a little crew from Running Warehouse, which was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was a, a great day. 27 hours, super slow, but... I loved every minute. And the most important part, what shoes were you wearing? Ooh, that's a great question. So I actually wore two different shoes. I wore the Tecton X2, and then for the last 40 miles, I switched to the Mach X just because there's a little bit more room in the upper. Well, I mean, me and Joe both come from the road running world, the track world, and I think it's sometimes hard to like imagine what these ultra marathons are like. And I know there's some pretty crazy races out there what what's the craziest race that you've done and then maybe what's on the bucket list of the craziest that you can think of so i've only been doing ultras for about four years now so i haven't done a ton and three of the ultras i've done have been javelina so i've done the 100k and then 100 mile twice um Probably the most challenging was Zion 100, which I DNF'd my very first. Uh, There was an eroded cliff that happened about mile 50. And at that point, you know, your legs are a little bit like noodles. Um, So it was not the easiest descent. And then, you know, our whole team pretty much pulled out of that race at that point. Um, But on the bucket list, uh, I don't know if UTMB is in the cards at some point. You seems, should do that. that is seems, a, that's a bitchin' race. Yeah, I got to go out to Honesty this summer, and I don't know. I Honesty and Chamonix, and the time I spent in Chamonix was uh, incredible. It's beautiful and unlike anything that we have in the States. So that's a possible contender. We'll see. And Joe, I know you've spent a little time in Chamonix with yeah, the Hoka, yeah. The yeah, Hoka yeah, guys. That was fantastic. I mean, <laughs> what's not to like? It was, <laughs> but the thing is, is is I was just watching and I was getting ready to go to ANSI uh, after Chamonix. And what happened was, um, for some reason, they have, a, I think it's a 46-hour cutoff for UTMB. Now, why isn't it 48 hours? Hell, I don't know. But it's 46 hours. So about 45 hours into it, I'm sitting in this restaurant right about 50 yards from the finish line having a nice plate of homemade pasta with pesto and uh, had burrata on top of it and a glass of red wine. And this lady in her 70s is coming by at about 45 hours. And I go, man, you're, you're such a loser. I mean, you're sitting here having a glass of wine and, and pasta and this, you know, looking at the sun and everything and this old, just elderly lady, just, you know, she just worked me. <laughs> but I mean, the, the energy of that thing at the start, when you have 2,500 people that are flooding going out there to do this thing, it's, it's really, really cool. Really cool. Yeah. And I'm not a, I was never an ultra guy cause I had friends that did Western States back when I was competing and I thought it was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit stupid. Yeah. You know, I saw people at mile 95, there was a man who was hunched over and he couldn't hold his spine up anymore. And he was still shuffling along, just, you know, trying to make the cutoff. And 
Uh, I'm not sure if he did. I'm assuming he did because he pressed on. You know, people are tilting over to the side and like somehow they just make it work. And they're just so determined. It's really inspiring. And you make a lot of friends out there. And, you know, you just are having this shared moment or shared hours together potentially where, um, you know, nothing else, like you don't have to worry about anything else, but um, you kind of have this same vision and, you know, you just get it done together. It takes a lot of grit. I mean, I find ultramarathon running crazy and I see some of these trails and I I got a video because I wanted to share today the video of the day. Okay. And I think this just really embodies how crazy ultramarathon running is. So we got Killian Jornet. Take a look at this. Is this something that any ultramarathon runner could do? How skilled do you have to do? How skilled of a runner do you have to be to run a trail like this? I don't think that qualifies as a trail. Um, it just looks like a sheer cliff of boulders. And I'm my palms are sweating right now watching this. Yeah, that's... I mean, I think if I ran on this, I think no, I, I might... I, I'm not afraid of heights. I don't like yeah, this stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> giving me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would like crab walk down yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd be holding on for dear life. Yeah. Well, and I think that just shows how good Killian Jornet is. I mean, he is fearless. Yeah. Very experienced. That's for trained professionals only. It's not for us. <laughs> yeah, not for us. And he's also holding a camera, I'm assuming, at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Got to get that GoPro money. Yeah. So just so everyone knows, we're in the middle of looking at shoes for fall of 24. So we're seeing stuff that uh, might make the running event, but we've seen a lot of stuff that will come to market next summer at the earliest. And so what we want to do is was go over some of the the key updates that we've seen that are either really unique or cool or just some updates to some of the major models. Yeah, and I think that goes with spring 24 as well, really just – all the excitement over the next year. We've seen so many good shoes in 2023. Right. I think a lot of us thought, like, can we get much better than this? But there's, a lot of the brands are proving. There's some good newness that's coming in 24. Yeah. They're pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. So, Becky, you want to just start us off with? What, what's the brand of the day? Who do you want to give that, that first spotlight to? Oh, for fall 24, can I give a little extra love to the North Face for spring 25? Of course. Let's start it off. Okay. So uh, last week we got to preview a little bit of spring 25. And what I can say is the North Face has the most exciting trail line that I've seen. Very well-rounded. They are bringing what will be, I think, the best in the space for trail racing, uh, ultra marathon racing for one of their updates that they're doing. And then there's another major update that is going to be max cushion, but they're going to their, you know, dream foam, which is uh, super critical foam, um, should feel fantastic. And it's such a huge update from where they currently are. Um, I felt like the upper materials that they're using are, you know, cutting edge. Um, and overall, aesthetically, they look really good as well. So you were at the headquarters, right? North Face? Yes. And yeah. Ultra. And you also went to Solomon? Yeah, okay. yep, we saw Ultra and Salmon for fall product, um, and then got to preview the North Face there as well. So in the in the trail space, I, I don't know if we want to just hop into some of the other yeah, sure. trail shoes coming out, but the North Face has the Ultimesa 500, which will be sort of like a speed goat, and that's coming out pretty soon here. Um, but that's going to have a super critical foam as well. Um, and I think it's just going to be a really good overall experience for $155. Um, and then we saw um, for Hoka, we've seen some updates for fall as well in the racing space. Um, I think one of their uh, current models that they have that's going to be updated, it's going to jump up a bit in price and it's going to have a booty construction. Um and then it's going to have what, what it's got new. So, so this is the new double tra- double Piba layer. Yeah. So this is the new trail racer. And there's been controversy. Was this the shoe that Jim Walmsley wore? We don't know. Yeah. But it's definitely unique. It's going to be a higher price point shoe, a little more niche, but it's, interesting. I think it'll be very niche just based off of the fit and the construction of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
while we're talking trail in, in the North Face, the one thing that I was thinking about was North Face has had ups and downs over the years, but they're never afraid to kind of push forward. We saw that with a Flight Vective, one of the first carbon-plated trail shoes on the market. Yeah. Was it a perfect shoe? No, no. But they got it out. They're not afraid to just keep pushing. They've done more with that Vective series. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see now that you've gotten that little bit of a sneak peek what they can do. It looks like they're really in the future. And they are pushing the envelope. They're not afraid to take some chances. And that's really, you know, what's the most exciting thing for us to see. So. Well, I'll, I'll lead off the next one. Okay. Nike. I've been excited for them for a while. I've ran in all their super shoes. And this is a big year because we're going to get the Alpha Fly 3. We've all been waiting for it. We've seen images on Kipchoge. A lot of the top marathoners still has the Zoom X foam. But very radical geometries. When you look at the shoe's shape. It's crazy it, looking. Yeah. You're like, what is that? Still has the AirPods. We don't have a whole lot of information, but we have heard Nike confirmed early 2024. We're probably going to see some pairs. Maybe. Right at their Olympic trials, probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but interesting stuff there. Yeah. And we're still seeing that Zoom X trickle on into other uh, trainers and options yeah. from Nike. What else did we see? We saw Nike yesterday. What else was yeah. exciting there? Yeah, we saw the new Pegasus Turbo 4, which, you know, the initial Peg Turbo was um, pretty exciting for the space in the category that it was in at the time. I think it was, you know, one of the only kind of... Yeah, super, 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 super trainer. trainer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it, it departed from that a little bit. And then we know with the next nature version with the recycled uh, midsole that that didn't quite hit the mark. So the Pegasus Turbo 4, um, as far as aesthetics go, it's a little bit of a nod back to the OG Peg Turbo. And then it's got the full length Zoom X midsole, no longer recycled materials. So it should be, you know, I think it should be what people were hoping, you know, that it would update to initially and it didn't. I think what we're seeing is is the brands kind of moved in that category more towards comfort, yeah. and now it's moving back towards speed. Yeah. Because um, as we're seeing most of the time, like, it's, it, these aren't really comfort shoes. They're to go, you know, you want to go faster in them. Right. You know, that sort of thing. So. Um, well, next on up, Adidas. Oh, Adidas. I, I, yeah, that's surprising I, as hell. Yeah, I mean, and we can start with some of the shoes that are coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Supernova Rise and, uh, of course, the... Our favorite, the Audi Zero, Adios, Evo Pro. Uh, it's a mouthful. It yeah, yeah, the $500. The $500 one. The $500 yeah. racing shoe. Yeah. I mean, Supernova Rise, Piba Foam. I think it's interesting. Yeah. And, and I think it's one. Is it 140 Yes. And it's yeah. good, good looking. And good price point. Good price point. Uh, have, have you gotten to wear them yet, Connor? Yeah, so I'm coming off injury, but I've gotten some just initial testing. I think... The thing that a lot of people are going to have to realize is this isn't going to be your super racer. No. It's not going to have quite that pop. But I think for Adidas, they finally have a reliable daily trainer. It's under 10 ounces. It's kind of checking all the boxes of what you need. Is it a revolutionary shoe that's going to change the daily training space? No, no. but it's a good shoe. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm happy there. And then we've seen some sneak peeks of Ultra Boost. I don't know how much we can really talk about it right now. But Ultra Boost has never really been a running shoe. No. It's always been the lifestyle shoe. Some people might run in it, but it's heavy. It's not been part of the conversation, to be honest. I don't think Adidas has had something in the space of Daily Trainer. And now they'll have the Rise, um, which I've put some miles in as well. And, and it does feel good. It's a, it's a good experience. The upper is nice. Um, and then, yeah, Ultra Boost, for what we can say, is... It's lighter. It looks good. It's, it's a lot lighter. It's a lot lighter. It doesn't have the cage anymore on the upper. So I think it's actually going to be a very runnable option from what we've seen. Yeah. Awesome. Who do we get next? All right. Um, do we go the the new player to the to the scene, Puma? Sure. All right. I, I actually didn't see the Puma uh, showing. So okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to enlighten you, okay. Joe. Okay. Thank so, you. So Mag Max, that's... Their highest cushion shoe, Nitro Elite, plus a little bit of Nitro Foam. I think it's probably going to be a Bondi competitor, but it just, when you look at all the specs, it seems to almost be in its own space a little bit. It's like almost like a Super Blast and a Bondi together. 
um, interesting. I, don't, I haven't been able to test it yet, mm-hmm. but I like more stack. I like more cushioning. So something there. Yeah, jury's out. I think, though, the experience based off of the nitro foam feels really good. Um, and, you know, I've worn the DV8 uh, too, and that's always a fun shoe to run in. Um, but this is just going to be more plus having the elite foam in addition to that. So I can't imagine it's yeah. it's it's, it's going to be a good experience. And I mean, DV8. Three. Three. Yeah. Updates. So that's coming oh, out in yeah. 24 as well. Yeah. DV8 three update looks really good as well. And I think what made DV8 two so good was versatile, amazing foam, mm-hmm. uh, that nylon plate. So a little bit more and, flexible. And also than, the outsole was pretty durable. Right. Yes. right, And very grippy. And I think a lot of people compared it to the Endorphin Speed 3. I think it's a fair comparison, but maybe lying a little bit more on the daily training side where Endorphin Speed lied a little bit more on the speed side. So two good shoes. Um, I think it feels a little bit more stable than the Speed also. Yeah. 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 And And then... The final shoe from Puma, which we can't give a name. We can't give too much details, but Todd gave me a little bit of a sneak peek, I don't know, probably eight months ago. You got a sneak peek. And Puma is doing crazy things in the running shoe space. All I can say is it's a wild concept, multiple plates, very, very high stack heights. I haven't seen I mean, we've seen shoes like the Prime X, but right. I think this is taking it up another another level. I think it's like fifty millimeters or more, right? Yeah. I haven't got actual specs yet, but okay. it it's it's well up there. Yeah, it's uh, it it looks like it's from outer space, um, but I think the point of it is is a conversation piece that Puma's here and they're not afraid to try some crazy things. So yeah, yeah, and that's you know part of the d- discussion is a lot of the brands that, that we look at are uh, publicly traded, and so there tends to be really conservative committees deciding what part product there is. And then you have the smaller brands that just say, screw it, you, you, we got to do something crazy, yeah. right? Um, so then you get you know, company, companies like Hoka, which is really plant, being conservative. Brooks is really conservative in terms of updates and things like that. Because, again, you have, you have to make money for your, your investors. And so you're not gonna, Hoka's not going to mess with the Bondi. Right, and the, the Bondi customer, there's a lot of them, and they have a certain expectation of how that shoe should perform. So, are they going to come with a super critical foam in that thing? Probably not. Right, they're going to do an old school EVA, maybe soften it up a little bit. But you know, that's the other thing with Hoka is they need to be soft, and the current Bondi isn't the softest experience there is. And I think, with that being said, Hoka maybe the last few years hasn't been the most aggressive, but I think looking into 24. They're one of the few brands we can't say too much info on, but there's actually... Some excitement. Yeah. You know, they are moving in the right direction in the foam space, in the plate space. I think there's some unique options and uh, even a new shoe at that $160 price point right. that... Has a super critical EVA. Yeah. And it looks like it's a more runnable version of a Bondi. Yeah. Yeah. Higher stack shoe. Wider. Wider. Yeah. Wider. Wider base yeah. net. Um looks pretty good i think it'll definitely be more runnable and maybe between like a clifton and a bondi Mm -hmm. yeah so i think hoka's actually back in the conversation and from some of the concepts we've seen from jean-luc you know if if some of that stuff gets implemented they could skyrocket to the top and they're also introducing a new super trainer right 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 so gonna be a little bit on the pricey side but it's gonna have all the bells and whistles and i tried it and it 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 feels pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm back bullish on Hoka. You know, we'll we'll see what they can do, but Yeah. Cool. But they're not the only player in the space. There is yeah. a lot lot of good shoes. Next on up, we'll go Asics. Okay. So, I think that the the, uh, the most recent shoe, the Nova Blast 4, um taking the heritage of the Nova Blast, it's done really well the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's been a running warehouse shoe. We were the first people to really adopt it. Yep. And now they added a little bit more stack, a little bit softer shoe. If you liked the last Nova Blast, you're still going to like this one, but I, I feel like it just feels a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, it seems like a really nice upgrade. And then as far as, you know, the aesthetics go, they they have softened it a little bit. I know it's it was a little bit disruptive initially, um, but I, I think they've done a really nice job with the update and um, 
you know, so far doing well. And then on the speed side? So we've got MetaSpeed updates coming. Yeah. We don't have a lot of information on that either, other than we've seen pictures of Emma Bates, um, Sarah Hall wearing the shoe. Yeah. It looks interesting. It still looks like some crazy sidewalls. It looks like flight foam turbo, but we, we don't know. There might be a new foam, mm-hmm. but I think it just shows ASICs is continuing to progress in the race space. Um, Magic Speed supposedly might have some flight foam turbo added. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ASICs is looking solid. Yeah. And then New Balance, they had a pretty good lineup. And that might be, uh, that might mm-hmm. even be. Yeah. An understatement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rebel for it thing is. It might be the shoe of the year. It's fantastic. Well, we've been waiting for it since we saw it at TRE last year. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, it was the highlight then. It's right. still it, it, a Dan, highlight. Danny Orr brought it out in a locked box and <laughs> <Yeah>. we saw. <laughs> this was a year ago. Yeah, yeah nothing um, better for the price point that you're going to get. No way. It's got, it's got PIBA, right? $140 PIBA blend fuel cell. So it's not going to be the 100% PIBA right. you see in the elite version, but it is going to be a PIBA blend. It feels amazing. Still no plate, higher stack. I mean, this shoe is killer. Yeah, I, I feel bucks. like ha- it, it, it's a slam dunk. They're losing money on this shoe. No, yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could have. They could have upped the price. They for could sure. have definitely upped the price. <laughs> right. And then what we have the SC Trainer. You know, SC Trainer. I don't know if we've seen an update from V two. Have we seen V three yet? The v- I don't recall. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure on that. But we do have the SC Elite V4, right. um, which that one is going to be the first time we see that 100% PIBA foam. Uh, before, I believe the fuel cell of the past versions was, I think, a TPEE. Yeah. Um, it was never 100% verified, right. but now it has been verified. PIBA foam, it's going to be just as good as the other competitors. Uh, carbon plate, max stack, everything you need for race day. And what was the other racing flat they introduced? Ooh, another, oh, well. Well, what about the new faster trainer that they're going to introduce for fall, like $200 price point? Yes. So we can't name this shoe yet, (laughs) but I have done a lot of testing in it. And this is, I I would say this is kind of that blend of a Nike Invincible and a Super Blast. So you get that Super Foam feel. Uh, They're using fresh foam geometries in a fuel cell package. I mean, this is going to be the shoe to look for. I test everything, and when I got this shoe on my feet, I kept just wearing it every day. I, I, all my other shoes I put over in the bin. I was like, I'm just going to wear this shoe. It's going to be a little pricier, but I, I think it's going to be worth it. Does it have a plate? No plate. No, okay. This is all about premium comfort with energy return for your easy days, your long runs. Not going to be the fastest shoe. I picked it up a little bit in it. It's... It's not going to be a super light shoe, but it feels just amazing. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing super shoes that don't have a plate. Yeah. That's like the next coming of stuff. Yeah. It's just hard to wear a plate all the time. No, it is. You know, I don't think it doesn't seem great for the ankles. It's not great for, you know, everyday running. Yeah, for sure. So we are starting to see more brands get into that New Balance had that other, I'm lost on the name, the other racing flat that. uh, So they had the new Pacer. That's um, it. Yeah, and so we've seen uh, we've seen a couple athletes, I think, wearing some prototypes yeah, of it. And right. what we know, lower stack, carbon plate, we haven't seen anyone nail it yet. Yeah. This doesn't seem to be quite as low stack as where the pacer was. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that very, shoe goes. Very niche shoe. Yeah. Very, very niche shoe. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. You know, but it's... I mean, I'd rather have it. Um, than, than not have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, Mizuno. Oh, yeah, Mizuno's back in the game. Mizuno's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the biggest surprise of the season. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, we it's been a few years of a little bit of staleness, and then Rebellion Pro came out and just skyrocketed them back yep. into the game. Yep. And now we're seeing the update to the Rebellion Pro uh, version 2. Mm-hmm. And then we're also seeing a training companion with uh, the Rebellion... Ooh, what is the name? <laughs> We've got uh, the Re- Rebellion Flash 2. So this is going to be the update to the Rebellion Flash. And I think what makes uh, the Rebellion Pro so interesting is the geometries of the shoe. It's got the super foam. It's got the pop and really aggressive geometries. Version 2, it just takes those geometries to the next level. You look at this shoe and you're like, how can I run in it? But once you start running fast, it's pretty unique. 
Um, you definitely feel that propulsion. Right. And I think we're going to continue to see that. Like we talked with the Alpha Fly, brands are using geometries to their advantage to get, uh, you know, that mechanical advantage on yeah, race for sure. day. And, you know, the other thing is uh, Mizunos are actually soft now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's also mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that at yeah. all because yeah. Mizuno's always been very on the firm, firm side. Yeah. So if you're one of those people that love Mizuno firm, yep. uh, you're going to be bummed. But yeah. And I think that, the, right, the majority of people are really going to enjoy the, the experience of the new Flash shoe. It's a, it's a really good shoe. Yeah. You know, everyone that tried it on in the meeting really enjoyed it, really liked it. Yeah. So. All right. What, what do we got next? We've got Saucony. So, uh, how could we forget Saucony? Because Saucony also had pretty much, I think, when you look at the full line of yeah. shoes, uh-huh. was probably the best or one of the best full lines. Right. It looked look good. And yeah. the, the thing that really caught my attention was the update to the Triumph, right? Full Piba midsole. Right. Yeah. And it looked good. Yeah. Uh, the colors were good. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it has more, more checks than anything else in that category. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know how much we can talk about that shoe, yeah. but it, it was interesting, but the shoes we can talk about endorphin pro and endorphin speed. So we've seen, uh, endorphin pro, some sneak peeks again on the pros mm-hmm. getting ready for the Olympic trials. Uh, and endorphin pro is going to, to take a little bit of shift from the last version. So we had full length Power Run PB. Now it's got the blend of Power Run PB and Power Run HG. So if you remember, HG was used in the Elite. Mm -hmm. It was a little bit firmer, but had better energy return. So you're taking the best of two foams, mixing them together, and it seems like a home run. I mean, it's going to be, I'd say, the shoe for more people. The Elite, I think, is a little more niche. It's going to be for your higher end runners, really efficient runners. Right. Where the pro, I think most runners are going to be able to uh, get the most out of it. Yeah, it's a nice shoe. Yeah. Really and nice. then Endorphin Speed. Oh, yeah. 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 So the training companion, still full-length power on PB. I think the the look of the shoe, it looks a lot better now um, and still blends a lot of those training elements. You can use it for daily training, but also fast enough for workout day. Yeah, I think in many respects, it's like the the peg turbo going back to the mm-hmm. faster faster shoe, less on less on comfort and more on speed. Exactly. Yeah, and it'll continue to be a leader in the category or yeah. one of those one of the top shoes. I mean, every brand that comes in, we're always comparing. Well, look what Saucony's <laughs> doing with the endorphin speed. I mean, mm-hmm. a nylon plate, full length super foam. It's not a half and half like a lot of these brands are doing. I think sometimes to save some money, sometimes for stability, but yeah. uh, I mean, Saucony's doing a great job with They're that. They're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. So who else do we have? I mean, we've hit the big players. I mean, is there anyone left? Um, you know, and we'll see a lot of this stuff at the running event. Yeah. You know. I mean. So I don't know when this is going to post the, but this will be live once uh, right after a little bit after the running event right. so we'll see a lot of these previews maybe a little bit more but i think these were probably the most exciting shoes mm-hmm. and uh you know more to come but hopefully yeah. we didn't get in too much trouble yeah. giving too we'll many find. details out <laughs> we didn't spill all the secrets you know yeah. just but 24 is going to be good yeah 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 and it's just like how do we how do we keep upping this year after year and i i think we're seeing some of these sneak peeks and uh, it seems like the brands just keep taking it another level. So I would suspect that we're going to start seeing uh, more geometry stuff, but really weight reduction is going to be the next big thing because yeah. there's not much else you can do. Yeah. Uh, and that Adidas, whatever the stupid ass long name of the thing, Evo One, yeah. what's that, five ounces, less than five ounces? Under five, 4.8. Right. right. So. so that's pretty crazy. Yeah. With that stack and everything. Every brand is going to have that shoe as yeah. their target. And the only part of it is you can't really scale that shoe. There's a lot of, yeah. a lot of people, you know, a lot of hands on it. Yeah. Right. Which is why it's so expensive, but um, you, you can't really mass produce that shoe. Yeah. And, but at the same time, when the Vaporfly first yeah, came can, out in 2016, mass produce that it either. was very, and I, I know a lot of people like to say that that was a strategic move by Nike. Yeah. But I mean, we were we were there. We could own. There was only so many that they could get done in the beginning, and then as time went on, they were able to scale it and get more. But I mean, when you get these new processes, it's it's tough to do, yeah. and especially that Evo. From what I've heard, I, I we don't have anything uh, verifying this, but 
it seems to part of it is like a hand uh, well, shaven process. Yeah, um, what you call it? Uh, Russ, was it from? Uh, from Topo. From Topo. Oh, we didn't yeah, talk we about should, Topo. We should talk about the Spectre, too. The Spectre I think is really good. Yeah, worthwhile. It'll be like a a big brother to the Cyclone, mm-hmm. too. And, but it's um, full-length P-backs. Yeah, full-length right. P-backs. It's lighter. Yep. It doesn't have a plate. It's lighter. It looks good. Good uh, price point. Yeah, good price point. 165 I want to say. 160 They held price, yeah. but it's going to be a much better experience, I think, underfoot. Yeah. I mean, the original version, Spectre 1, feels good, but it doesn't have that that pop that you yeah. want it to have. And I think yeah. that was a little bit of a miss. And yep. this second version certainly should. And you can't forget about the toe box shape. You know, for people that have a little bit wider forefoot or just want that more room to allow your toes to display, you're going to get that in a really fast, um, versatile package. Right. Uh, one thing that we saw from New Balance that I don't know how many people are going to be excited about, but the MT10, was it? I don't even know about this. Uh, yeah. Explain. The old trail shoe. Oh, in our, in our past podcast. Yeah, the minimal trail shoe. It, minim, so it's got a four mil drop with a little bit of... So if if you're really into the minimus trail right. shoes... It's yes. returning. It's returning. You're right. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be people that are looking for that shoe. Um, yeah, they don't really have a lot of options right now. Mm. Yeah. If any that I can think of yeah i mean minimal trail running has been a little bit on the decline for a bit so this is it's not going to be quite as minimal as some of the past but, versions but it was but just a, it, it's a knockoff on the original mt10 so the mt10 yeah. had a little bit of a uh, little bit of a just four, a four mil i think drop in it um it had a little bit more padding it's not significant yeah but it wasn't like the one the one had nothing right <laughs> it was just right. basically you're running on cement so, right yeah right well, Joe, well, oh. what's the internet have for us today? I know, <laughs> well, I know, you've been see. scavenging the internet for all of the best questions, all the craziest okay. people. Okay, I have two things. This one okay. is—they're <laughs> both from uh, Rain Shoe Geeks. So this one's an anonymous person. It says, "Hello, guys. Been torn if I could get uh, Addy Zero Boston Twelve or Nimbus Twenty Five. Purpose of the shoe is mostly to be part of my daily trainer and some suit work." Uh, I'm slightly pronated, land on my midfoot, have white toes. Current goal is training for 21K and marathon. Any thoughts would be much appreciated. Many thanks. Now, what we what we have here is someone that's comparing two shoes that are, have two different, entirely different purposes, right? Very different experiences. Right. I mean, one's designed to go fast. Yep. And one's designed to go slow. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Nimbus is a, is a comfort shoe. Um, it's it, very difficult to run fast in that shoe. And the Boston is not designed to go s- slow. It's designed to go fast. So th- th- there's a lot of confusion out there about, you know, so a, a more likely comparison would be like the Boston versus the Endorphin Speed or the Triumph versus the Nimbus, right? That'd be more appropriate. But when you come at it, you know, that, that question is just, it's, it's apples and oranges, right? So, And I, I think those kind of questions get asked quite a bit because they're both leaders in their space. So people, you know, they hear about it, they hear the hype, but again, different shoes for different purposes. Mm-hmm. And you have to get them on, try them out, and really ask yourself, what am I going to use the shoe for? Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's difficult to have one shoe that's going to do everything. I mean, it's you impossible. could, in theory, wear either for daily training and speed work, but the Boston will feel better for speed work and the Nimbus is going to feel better for daily training Just, and yeah. easy recovery runs. Easy recovery runs, yeah. Um, the second one is uh, from you know, Running Shoe Geeks. It's Alfred Lalu. So if I butchered that name, sorry about that. <laughs> so, quote, lost interest in the Asics Super Blast early as it was far from my expectation uh, of a max cushion shoe. I like plush but responsive like uh, New Balance SE Trainer V2 on Cloud Eclipse, and the Super Blast feels like a brick to me compared to the other two shoes. Doug Stewart and Stephen McIver, I think it is, suggested, said, swapping the insoles of the Super Blast made a huge difference in the shoes, and so I replaced them with the insoles of the Saucony Triumph 20, and yes, it certainly gave the shoe a pleasure feel underfoot. This has definitely rekindled my interest in the shoe, and pushes it back into my weekly rotation. 
So diving into that a little bit, the average insole that comes in a running shoe suck. They last 10 or 12, 12, maybe 20 miles, and they're designed for initial step and feel. They don't offer much of anything, except two brands. One is Saucony, and one is Skechers. And explain what this midsole or this insole is. Yeah, I mean, we've started to see more of uh, brands trying to up their insoles, and this actually has a Power Run Plus midsole so it's a beaded foam and it's going to be softer better energy return and just it's built to last longer miles it's not going to bottom out immediately right and so this person's experience makes sense right because it's it's a beaded insole that's actually designed to to hold up versus the average insole and the average running shoe is it's not very good yeah and these are more expensive to do yeah, but, but the experience is better. The experience is better. Yeah. And, and oftentimes with insoles, we'll find that when we measure stack, you run 10, 15, 20 miles, you remeasure the stack, it's losing several millimeters yeah. just almost instantly. So um, having a good insole, it's not going to be, you know, the end it, of the world, but at the same time, it does make a difference. It does, does make a difference, right. So I was going to show uh, people a little tweak here to save some money. Okay. So something like a super feet right here is um, oftentimes people go in a store and buy a new pair of super feet with every new pair of shoes. And you don't really need to do that. So once you're done, once this top layer wears out, <clears throat> which should be at that, the use of one pair of shoes, you can actually rip this off of here and the plastic thing doesn't go bad. So you can actually put that plastic thing in the bottom of your shoe, put this on top of it, and this molds to it. There's a hack right there. I've never even heard of that before. Yeah, I haven't yeah. either. <laughs> uh, back in the 70s when they invented these kind of insoles, removable insoles, a lot of people were, um, what, orthotics? And they would come with it, something like this, but the orthotics were a couple hundred bucks. So you didn't really have a choice. You had to rip the, the, the thing off the top and then use this insole to, uh, to mold to it. Yeah, plus I imagine that would actually fit perfectly in the shoe since yeah, it's already it, designed for yeah, it. It works It works really well. So there you go. Save yourself some money. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you want to talk about Eric's closet? <laughs> okay. We can go right into it. Yeah. I mean, Eric, he's been bringing some crazy stuff recently. And this week, he did not disappoint yet again. So we've got... I like that the box is still with it. It's uh, oh, this wow. is unused. So this is Golite. You've probably never heard of this brand never before. Heard of that. Well, they did. They do packs and clothes. Yes. So okay. Running Warehouse carried the packs um, around 2007, 2008, and we did really well with the packs. Yeah. They they were favorites. They they performed well. They fit well. They decided to venture into the running shoe space. Now, just looking at it, it's crazy. I don't know of any other shoe that looks quite, maybe a Balenciaga. Um, <laughs> but their whole spiel was the cushioning came from the outsole lugs. So you've got these massive outsole lugs, not much midsole, um, just feeling it pretty hard, pretty comparable to the trail shoes of that time. But a unique shoe, um, definitely had some grip to it. I don't know how it performed. It was not used. Um, and then Golite, they were supposed to come to market in around March 2008. They decided to go a different direction. I think Timberland. Yeah, Timberland is a parent company for them. Yeah, they they yeah. decided it wasn't the route they wanted right. to take. So, so it's, we've it's got like one a, of the few pairs in existence right, right it's here. It's like a pre-on shoe, right? <laughs> a we, little we bit. We have the outsole serving much of the, the cushioning yeah. for the shoe. Yeah, definitely some on-cloud-like uh, inspiration. <laughs> Do you think, uh, Becky, would you wear this in a trail race? Oh, it's hard. I mean, the name Go Light with these, with this much rubber on it is uh, very interesting. It's it's a little heavy for me. I so think another I do that. funny part about that, 15-ounce shoe. So, <laughs> so oh, my gosh. At the time, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more in line. But nowadays, I mean, I don't 15. think I can think of. Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't think of anything that. that... No. That's a pound. We don't even like when it's more than 10 ounces. Yeah. So imagine 15. And I talked with Eric. He said he was interested in bringing this shoe in back in 2008 because it was so different. Yeah. But at the same time, these were 
pricey shoes. So 175, 160. You know, I couldn't find the actual price on this shoe. This was one step down on their elite level mm-hmm. shoe, which had a carbon fiber heel. So an innovator in the space. Uh, but it was $160 for their highest end shoe. And that at the time was almost unheard of in 2008, 160, That's you know, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Balenciaga would sell these for like $900. So you're saving money uh, there. It's a steal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we've come a long way in the trail space. Yes. Yeah. So next up, we have uh, Pimp My Run. <laughs> Physiology 101 kind of thing. Riz My Fizz. So in a previous uh, podcast, I said the next podcast we would uh, talk about the, the Fick Equation, finish it up. But we had a special guest, and uh, that went out the window. So yeah. I'm going to address it now. So the Fick equation, just as a reminder, is a theoretical VO2 max. So the first part of it was uh, left ventricle, your cardiac output. So you do short intervals to strengthen your left ventricle so you can pr- your pump more blood through your body. The next part of it is the AVO2 difference, which is the blood that goes out of your heart, goes to your working muscles, and then comes back through your veins. So the, the more efficient your body is at using oxygen, the faster it's going to go. And that's why you do tempo runs because it, it builds the pathways. So it's similar to driving in L.A., especially right now, or, in, or San Diego or San Jose, anywhere in California, where you have cars, which are like your red blood cells, trying to get somewhere at 8 in the morning, and there's not enough freeways, right? And so you get stuck. So if they build more freeways and more pathways, then the more cars can get to wherever they're going, right? And the same thing when you do tempo runs and stuff like that. You're building up more pathways, more mitochondria, and also works on getting the crap out, right? Because you have byproducts, waste product that needs to be pulled out too. So you do tempo runs and you do short intervals, and that's you pretty much that's all you need to do to get your competitive running thing going so th- how long does that take for you to, it, it, well, re- to make it, a notable improvement a in notable your improvement is, it's years you know and uh i remember you know people say how fast should a tempo run be and bob larson a legendary coach from san diego he coached the hummel toads that won nationals he 1976 1976 national champions he coached at grossmont college had fantastic teams there went to ucla then coached meb to an olympic medal and Bob is a very, very funny man. I have <laughs> very funny stories about Bob, but I can't tell him on, on this thing. But And his definition of a tempo run is you can talk, but you don't want to. And so when I have athletes ask, how fast should I do this? I'll be at like the two-mile point, and I'll ask them how they're doing. If they can answer me, uh, that's good. If they can't answer me at all, then I tell them to slow down. And sometimes you have people and... I just remember Allie and Cordy running by just talking and talking and talking and talking and going, you guys really need to pick this up. <laughs> this isn't a temple race. It's just, just a casual pace. A casual pace of that. Well, it's funny because you usually have the opposite problem. I feel like a lot of people with how common tempo runs are, yeah. it's one of the, I feel like most misunderstood workouts. A lot of times people end up racing their tempos. They're, they're going basically at their race pace and then they have nothing left for race day. Right. I mean, uh, that was our conversation with Craig, right? He was yeah. talking about when uh, when he was Ole Miss, they were ranked, whatever, top 10 in the United States. And so they started hammering their tempo runs, eight-mile tempo runs, and finishing at 430 or 440 pace. And they ended up getting 30th place. And the following year, they cut the tempo runs in half and slowed them up, and they got fifth or sixth or something like that so you know there's a, a diminishing point on on tempo runs so you better do them longer and slower than um like a race like a 5k or 10k that sort what, of thing what about like rate of perceived exertion when they say like what would a tempo run be on a scale of one to ten yeah it that one's that one's a little difficult because my seven is not your seven yeah right and so you can do you can do calculations based on someone's race time i mean I, ideally is whatever somebody runs a half marathon in that's what they should do a four or six mile tempo run in okay. is that time. That's yeah. So basically you want to be able to say a couple words at a time, but you don't want to be speaking full sentences. Right. You're not going to have a, you know, like if you're running with your training partner, Yeah. you know, it's like, Hey, you doing good. <laughs> Fine. <Great>. Yeah. Great. <laughs> you know, not talking about what you're going to have for dinner and you know, the recipes that you're following and that sort of thing. So, yeah. 
Um, when well, just one more topic on the tempo run, yeah. a big uh, a big factor of your own training that you've adopted or that a lot of the Aggies have adopted is the midweek long run that sometimes has a tempo component in it. Yeah. How important has that been to adding into a workout it's, structure? It's a pretty big deal. So it's, yeah. it's like an aerobic threshold. So there's anaerobic threshold and aerobic threshold. So the idea is that it's about a 90-minute run. And the last 30 to 40 minutes are going at a good clip. It's not as fast as a tempo run, but it's just certainly not jogging. Yeah. So for my guys that are running around 14 flat, it's going to be like 545, maybe down to 530 pace. But a tempo run, they'd probably be under five-minute pace. Okay. All right? Yeah. Uh, but you, there's only one way to get that done, and that is to be fit. Yeah. Right? And you do it in the hills and stuff like that. So we have Poly Canyon. And that's what uh, the high school does on Mondays. Uh, they have late start Mondays. And they'll do Poly Canyon, do like 12 miles, um, and then hammer the last part as they get fitter, which is why they have one of the best distance teams in the state, right? It's just aerobic strength. But, um, yeah, if you can get those done once a week. And you don't need to push the pace, but you have in the back of your mind, if I feel good, I'm going to start. I'm going to bust it. And you know when you're fit, you can get that done. Do you feel like that applies to ultra training as well? Yeah. And I was going to ask you, you know, how do you – how do People tra- I have no idea how you train for ultras, yeah. right? I have incorporated it during cycles before, mm-hmm. but I didn't this last time. And I felt even better this time, but I think it's just more of, you know, getting used to it, mm-hmm. getting your body gets used to being out there for so long. Right. So you adapt, but yeah, it definitely breaks up the training a little bit to put in some speed work, I mm-hmm. think. And that used to be my trick when I go on business trips. Um, I would do a fartlek run because you, otherwise you're just looking at your watch and it takes yeah. forever. Whereas if you do like ten or twenty times minute on minute off, it goes goes by pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. And you can be efficient. You know, if you got you got thirty forty Re- minutes, you can get a pretty good workout in a quick time. Yeah. So that's always a good one to sneak in. Yeah. yeah. But what do we have now? Is I think that's. I mean, we've hit the the yeah. main stuff. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about uh, in past episodes the history of running shoes. Today, we looked a little bit towards the future. Maybe we go around the table, talk about the one shoe maybe you're looking forward to most in the collection of 2024 shoes. I mean, I think for myself, uh, I think it's between... I think the Rebel 4 is going to be the shoe I use the most. You know, it's just the value... The feel, the versatility, the look. The look. I mean, it, it's got everything checked. I don't know how a lot of these brands are going to compete against that shoe. Um, the Alpha Fly, I think every competitive runner is going to be wanting that. And then I'll just put a third one in there: the new Puma shoe, uh, the overstacked multiple plate. I, I'm just interested in it. I want to feel it. I love every brand that is willing to just do something that no one else is willing to do. So. That'll be also on the list. It'll be a conversation starter for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, and as a short person, I can say, <laughs> you know, I could be like six feet tall on that thing. I don't know. But yeah, I'm pretty excited for, I mean, honestly, for the Mag Max from Puma, I think that'll be exciting for me. I love a lot of cushion and then just having like a little bit more pop to it, I think will be great. Um, Next trail race shoe. Ooh. That's a good question. I think probably something from the North Face. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll be my whole lineup, I think. Cool. And Joe, you used to run, so this won't imply. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I actually did run th- this morning. Okay. I started running again because ha- I pulled my hamstring. <laughs> That's a long story. But anyway, so I started running again. And you know what? Running hurts. It does. <laughs> Especially when you're starting up. So I dropped my car off to get some work done this morning. And uh, ended up running back here. Yeah. You know, three miles doesn't seem like a long ways in, yeah. unless you haven't run in four or five months. Yeah, it can so feel to, very long. <laughs> so to bump up that mileage in 2024, what's what's going to be the shoe to get you that extra mile? Maybe that uh, new New Balance Super Trainer? Maybe. Uh, or that I'm actually leaning towards a new Hoka, the, the, mm, the yes. 160 with yep. the, mm. uh, right, yeah. uh, the Super Critical EVA yeah. and wider ba- bases and so forth. It's just a matter of right. how soft it is. Because that's the other thing is when you have these super critical foams, oftentimes they, they, 
they were way too soft for walking around in. And I think that's part of the thing why people like the Bondi because they like that firm, stable feel. And when you get in things like the first edition is Super Comp Trainer, it was a little, you know, same thing with Prime Strong. Yeah, oh, a little yeah. squirrely. A little squirrely. And, and, and if you're... You can't take a corner in that. No. And if you're using it primarily for walking, right, it's, it's just, it's... Um, it's kind of like you're drunk, right? You get you, and I can imagine if you're in your 70s or 80s and, and going on your morning walk and you're, you're losing your balance is probably not the ideal thing. Yeah, you know, you yeah. want something that's going to be firm and, and more stable. Yeah, and I, th- I think that shoe you're talking about, because you walk a lot in the Bondi, yeah. that'll be a little bit more geared towards running. Right. While you'll still use that Bondi. Yeah, if the you're Bondi, Bondi is fantastic for walking around and standing in at work and stuff like that. It's it's a it's a little stiff for me for running, yeah. so I'm looking for that, a similar experience something that's stable but just a little softer yeah yeah the bondi is a disneyland shoe <laughs> yeah yeah which is fine yeah I mean, definitely long- like if you want to be comfortable all day walking around yeah yeah perfect shoe for that so i want to thank you for coming on yeah thanks for having me yeah, yeah. and sharing your knowledge that was good and yeah. i want to thank the listeners too for tuning in and what can they do to help that algorithm <laughs> bump, bump this out <laughs> um like subscribe um and seriously, if you, if you go to our YouTube thing, there's a comment section. Ask us questions if you yeah. want. I mean, we'll do you our best be, to answer. You might be featured on the next podcast. You never know. And yeah. of course, you know, we've got streaming on Spotify, Apple Music. But if you want the full experience, you got to watch it on YouTube. Yeah. You know. And we actually had our first guest who should show up. When will that one show? After TRE, after Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah. But this, this episode won't even be out then. No, this will be after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, we have more uh, guest speakers that are coming on. Yeah. Uh, one that a lot of people don't know, but he is a fantastic human being is Keith Kelly. And we'll be interviewing him at uh, the running event. Just yeah. a really nice guy. Really fun. Uh, but he also won the 2000 NCAA Division One cross-country title. So, Well, I think that's the whole point of this podcast. We're bringing on people that are unique characters in the space. Mm-hmm. You don't normally get to hear their stories, but... You know, we go around to all these different events and we just have fun. You, We get to see the behind the scenes, yeah. but not everyone else does. Yeah. So a lot so, more fun to come. Yeah. There we have it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Peace out. <laughs>